Heavenly Father, it is such a blessing to be able to call you Father and know that we are your children. And Lord, it is such a blessing to also know that you are our Father, but you are not a silent Father, but you are a Father who speaks to us. Lord, we pray that you may give us ears to listen. We ask, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening this morning. And we pray that your Holy Spirit may be in our hearts, opening our ears and opening our hearts so that we respond to the message from your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you meet someone famous... What do you do? Have you met many celebrities in your time? I don't have that many people who I think are wonderful in the world and would really like to meet, except for uh, theological leaders and preachers. I have my preachers that I love a lot, and on occasions I have had the opportunity to meet them. And on those opportunities to meet them, I've had that reaction, I think, that many of us would have to those people that we consider to be celebrities. I started to gush towards him and tell him how wonderful I think his preaching is, how much I've listened to his sermons, how much he has helped me in numerous ways. And then I think I really topped it off uh, by saying, I even dream about you. And, And then I started to clarify, I dream about meeting you, I dream about going to your church and hearing you preach there. But you could see in his face, he was, uh, yes, um, okay, and then he said, maybe we'd better not let my church hear about that. And so then I asked Jill when I got home, was that too much? And she said, yes, Uh, I think that is going too far when you go to someone who you do like, uh, and you may have legitimately had dreams about meeting that person, uh, but it's not appropriate, I think, to tell that person. When you meet celebrities, when you see someone amazing, how do you react? That's what we're looking at this morning. Isaiah, last week we saw, has had this vision of a celebrity, the greatest of all celebrities, God himself. And we looked at what he saw there, and this week we're going to look at Isaiah's reaction in Isaiah chapter 6, his reaction to seeing God, to seeing God in all his glory, in all his holiness there, with the angels there, the seraphs, the burning ones, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So firstly, we're going to look at Isaiah's reaction. And so that's my first main point this morning. If you've got a church bulletin there, you can see on the back my main points. And so my first is Isaiah's reaction to the sight of God. What is his reaction? Well, he does two things. Firstly, he pronounces judgment on himself. It's there in verse 5. Verse 5, he says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Two things he says about himself. First is, I am judged. I deserve woe. Woe to me. What does he mean by woe to me? Well, he means, cursed be me. May a curse be upon me. So instead of blessing and honour from God, I am in disgrace. I am cursed. By God. And then he also says, I am ruined. Another part of his judgment. Cursed be me, ruined be me as well. I am ruined. What does it mean to be ruined? Well, this word basically is a word for destruction. And so he's saying, I am destroyed. 
I am ruined, like a city can be ruined or your house can be ruined if an earthquake comes and shatters the foundations and ruins it. He says, me personally, I am ruined. When I see this celebrity, when I see God in all his glory, I am ruined. Well, why is he ruined? Why is he cursed? Well, he goes on to say, so the second thing he does, he pronounces judgment on himself firstly, then the second thing he does is he proclaims why he is ruined. It's there in verse 5, page 680 of the Black Church Bibles. Verse 5, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. And then, for I am a man of unclean lips. Why is he ruined? He is a man of unclean lips. What does he mean by unclean lips? Does he mean that his lips are dirty? That he's got some dirt on them he didn't wash that morning? No, he means that his lips have sinned again and again. We sin greatly by our mouths, by what our mouths say. And Isaiah recognises that his lips are unclean because of the many sinful things he has said through them. The Bible speaks again and again about how much damage can be done to our own lives and the lives around us by our mouths. And one of the classic texts is James chapter 3. I encourage you to go there. I'm going to read from that passage. James chapter 3, page 1197. Probably no greater passage in the Bible that speaks about the damage that we do with our mouths. James chapter 3, verse 1, page 1197, 1197 of the Black Church Bibles. James chapter 3, reading from verse 1, where James, the brother of Jesus, writes, page 1197, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea being being tamed and have been tamed by men. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The mouth is a terrible thing. And it is not surprising here that when Isaiah sees God in all his holiness, he looks at his own life and his own unholiness and pronounces that he is cursed. 
that he is ruined because of his lips. And particularly because Isaiah is what? He's a prophet of God. He's meant to be speaking God's words. And yet he knows that he speaks terrible things from his mouth as well. And so he is a man of unclean lips. And he also says why he is ruined is not just because of his own unclean lips, but what else does he say in verse 5? For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. It's not just him that has unclean lips, and someone else around him might be able to help him. He lives among people who are unclean as well. There is no hope for Isaiah from among the people that he is with. They are all unclean with their lips as well. They have all uttered terrible things with their mouths, just like Isaiah has. And so... He is undone. Woe to him. He is ruined because he has unclean lips and the people around him have contaminated him as well and cannot help him because they have unclean lips as well. And the reason why this is so bad, his lips are so bad, is because he has seen God. He says there in verse 5, For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Why am I ruined? Because I've seen the King, the Lord Almighty. See, if Isaiah was the only person on the planet and had unclean lips and there was no God in existence, would it be such a big problem that he's got unclean lips? Or if he was there with all other people who had unclean lips, well, they're all just as bad as each other. There's no defining rule to show how terrible they are. But here he has seen God in all his holiness and so he recognises his uncleanliness in his lips and the people around him and recognises that he is cursed. His lips are enemies in the sight of God and they deserve to be destroyed and his whole body with those lips. And so he is ruined as he looks at God. So this is Isaiah's reaction as he sees the greatest celebrity ever, God himself. He doesn't gush to God. Instead, he recognises how terrible he is and proclaims judgment on himself and gives a reason. It's because of his uncleanliness. The next thing I want us to look at is then God's reaction to Isaiah's reaction. Because we have that in the text as well. It's not the end of the story. Isaiah sees God, then says, Woe, I'm a sinner. God then reacts to Isaiah's reaction. And so that's my second main point this morning, God's reaction to Isaiah's reaction. And what is that? Well, we read it in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 6. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. So one of those seraphs, those burning angels that we spoke about last week, flies over, so God sends this angel over, with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. He comes with, there's an altar there in God's presence with a sacrifice on it. And one of these seraphs picks up one of those coals and brings it over to Isaiah. And what then does he do with it? With it, verse 7, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. Isaiah's unclean lips are then touched with this burning coal. And what happens? 
The seraph declares what has happened. See, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. This painful sounding experience ends up healing Isaiah of his unclean lips. Sounds like a terrible thing to happen to you. No one wants a burning coal taken from an altar and put upon their lips. Maybe some celebrities would like to do that to some of their fans uh, and when they react in a certain way to them as celebrities. But God reacts in this way and sends over this live coal that sounds like a terrible thing to do to someone, but it is a good thing. It is a healing thing. Why? Because his guilt on those lips and in his heart is taken away and his sin is atoned for. How does that happen? Well, a sacrifice has been made. And that sacrifice has affected that coal. And that comes over and that sacrifice is applied to Isaiah. And so instead of those judgments that Isaiah declares upon himself coming upon him, they have come upon that sacrifice. What were those judgments? He said in verse 5, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. Is Isaiah cursed? Is he ruined? No, the sacrifice is the one that is cursed. The sacrifice is ruined. And so that sacrifice takes God's wrath against Isaiah's unclean lips. And so Isaiah's unclean lips are healed. His guilt is taken away and his sin is atoned for. And so now Isaiah can do what? He can praise God with his lips, which he couldn't before. It's amazing what he says with his lips in comparison to what we saw the seraphs say in verse 3. The seraphs there with their lips are saying, calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then what does Isaiah say? Woe to me. I am ruined. But now because of that sacrifice taking his ruin, he can now praise God. He can say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Because his unclean lips have been washed. They've been cleansed. And he can actually speak on God's behalf as God's ambassador. He can be his prophet and speak out of his lips, knowing that God has taken away his guilt and atoned for him. And he can also look upon God. Instead of being cursed out of God's presence, Isaiah's sin is taken away and so he can be in God's presence because he's got clean lips now. He can see God in all his glory and not be destroyed. So this is the experience of Isaiah this morning. As we see his reaction and then we see God's reaction to his reaction as he sees God in all his glory, what can you learn from Isaiah's experience? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Your reaction should be like Isaiah's. Your reaction should be like Isaiah's. God reveals himself to all of us, not in the same way that he reveals himself to Isaiah here, where he sees a vision of God himself surrounded by angels, but he still reveals himself. He gives us a glimpse of him in all his holiness. He gives us a glimpse of him in his goodness, in creation, but also in the word. Through the eyes of Isaiah, we can get a glimpse of God. Right here in this text and in many other pages of scripture, we see God again and again in all his glory. And when we see that, we see how wonderful God is, how righteous he is, how holy he is. 
We should react just like Isaiah. We should react by pronouncing judgment upon ourselves because we are sinners too. We should react by saying, Woe to me. I am ruined. Why? Because I am a person of unclean lips. Many, many times with my lips I have cursed God. I have sinned against God. I have uttered things I should not instead of the things that I should. Again and again I have hurt others and hurt myself by my lips. And so I deserve to be destroyed. And also the people around me are people of unclean lips. They can't help me. And they have affected me by their unclean lips as well. By the example that I've seen of other people, I've then followed that example. As they've gossiped there, I've then joined in. As they've started hating others and saying hateful things, I've joined in. When they start saying coarse words, I then joined in. There is no hope for me. And so, woe to me, I am cursed, I am ruined. Because I've seen God in all his glory... And I recognise that I do not deserve to see him. I do not deserve to be in his presence. And then, is that the end of the story? Or does God react to your reaction the same way he reacted to Isaiah's? Thankfully, yes. And that's my fourth main point this morning. God's reaction is still the same. We see in the pages of the New Testament again and again this offering of salvation from God to his people. And we see it in the words of Jesus. As people pronounce judgment on themselves and declare that they're sinners, they are offered salvation from God. What does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. People who are poor in spirit, who recognise their uncleanliness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, mourn about their sin. Say, woe to me, cursed be me, ruined am I. What does he say? For those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who recognise that they have unclean lips but want clean lips, who hunger and thirst for clean lips. What does he say for those people? For they will be filled. The offer is still there. So if you acknowledge your sin and that you deserve punishment for your sin, that you are cursed and that you are ruined because of your sin, God offers atonement. He offers a way of salvation. God has sent another burning messenger, not just this seraph. He sent the burning one, Jesus Christ. To atone for sin. He is the sacrifice on the altar that takes away sin. The sacrifice on this altar in heaven did not take away sin from Isaiah. It simply points to the sacrifice, the only sacrifice that can remove sin. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ becomes the judged one in your place. When you cry out, woe is me, cursed be me, I am ruined, Jesus Christ becomes the one who is ruined. He becomes the one who is cursed so that you can be healed. But you must accept the offering. You must accept this sacrifice. 
if it is to clean your lips. It's not enough to acknowledge that you have unclean lips and that you deserve to be judged. You see that in the New Testament, the demons again and again recognise their uncleanliness and they cannot be in Jesus' presence. But does that save them? You must accept the sacrifice. God makes the offering, but you accept the sacrifice. It's interesting here in this passage that Isaiah didn't ask for mercy. He didn't ask for cleansing. All he saw was his hopelessness. All he saw was his sinfulness. And then God, in his mercy, initiates salvation. He sends this seraph over. And Isaiah accepts the seraph's offering, God's offering through this seraph. Isaiah doesn't bat the seraph away and say, no, The seraph doesn't hold Isaiah down and force the coal onto his mouth. It touches his lips and he is healed. He accepts this offering from God. I'd like to try and see him bat away a seraph, a burning one who is constantly on fire, see him fight an angel. But he doesn't. He accepts it. And you do as well. You must accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ if you want clean lips. How do you accept that sacrifice of Jesus? Well, it's by faith. You believe that Jesus died for you. That is how you accept him. If you believe in your heart right now that Jesus died on the the cross for you, that your unclean lips and all your sin was placed upon his shoulders, then it is so. And what is pronounced about Isaiah is pronounced about you. Verse 7, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Nothing else is required. Simply the sacrifice of Christ. You see there in that passage, nothing else is required of Isaiah. God comes, puts the coal on him. That's it. It's not all these other requirements. Okay, now Isaiah, you have to keep the Ten Commandments as well. And then your sin will be atoned for. There's no works righteousness there. The sacrifice is made and that is it. And that is it for you as well. If you admit your sinfulness and accept the sacrifice of Christ by faith, you are healed. You don't have to do anything else. Nothing else is required. All is done in the sufficient sacrifice of Christ. And then, what does that mean? Well, you're like Isaiah. You're able to start using your lips for God's glory. You're able to praise him. You're able to speak as his ambassador. Because through your lips, God speaks with cleanliness. All of us as Christians are supposed to be speaking on God's behalf. He doesn't just call prophets and teachers and pastors to speak his gospel message to others around him, around them. He calls all Christians to be ready to give an answer for the hope that they have. And so, even though you have unclean lips, even though you have uttered horrible things through your mouth, because of Jesus' sacrifice, your lips are clean and you can speak good things to those around you. You can share the gospel with those around you. And instead of it simply being foolishness, And falling to the ground because it comes out of unclean lips, it takes root and grows in people's hearts. This is one of the most encouraging things for me to recognise as a minister. 
I speak to people again and again things from God's word. And I try to be the mouthpiece of God, but I also recognise my own sinfulness, that I do not deserve to speak to others on God's behalf. But I know that through the sacrifice of Christ, my lips are clean and the things that are stupid and foolish and dumb and sinful that come out of my mouth, God cleanses those away and uses the good that he comes, that he puts out of my mouth to help others. Such a wonderful truth to know that you as a Christian have unclean lips, but through the sacrifice of Christ, they become clean and you can Stumbling along, talk to people about Christ, and God can use that. He uses it because he's paved a way through Jesus Christ. And also, you don't just say things with your lips, you one day will be able to see God in all his glory, see Jesus Christ. Because that's one of the things that Isaiah said he couldn't do. He couldn't see God because of his unclean lips. And we can't either if we have unclean lips. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have clean lips. We have clean robes of righteousness put upon us. And so we can go into heaven and look at God. Look at Jesus Christ. You can see him more and more in the pages of the Bible. But one day we'll be able to see him face to face. Why? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Not because of your righteousness, your good works that you think you can uh, go into God's presence because of. No, they don't count. Christ's sacrifice is the only reason that you can go into heaven and see God in all his glory. So are you an Isaiah? Have you seen God in all his glory? Have you seen him in the pages of the Bible and recognised that he is a holy God? And have you then admitted your uncleanliness, that you have unclean lips and that there is a just punishment coming upon you, that you are cursed because of your unclean lips, that you are ruined? Have you done that? You should. All of us must recognise that we have said terrible things with our mouths and we deserve to be ruined. But have you then accepted the sacrifice of Christ for your guilt and your sin? Have you asked that his sacrifice be your curse, be your destruction, so that you can go free? And then, if you have done that, do you rejoice in the fact that your lips are no longer unclean, that you have clean lips? It's wonderful to, when you've been particularly dirty to then have a shower. You've been working hard out in the garden and you have a shower and get clean again. It's wonderful to have clean lips, to have clean robes of righteousness on us instead of our sinful, dirty rags. And that should then motivate you to use those clean lips that God has given you to proclaim praise to him and proclaim his name to those around you. Share with the people in your life who have unclean lips still and will be ruined one day, will be cursed forever if you do not share the gospel with them. Use those God-given lips of yours. He gave them once in creating you. He's given you them again in cleansing them by Jesus Christ. Use them for his glory. And then are you someone 
who is looking forward to seeing God because you are clean, looking forward to going to heaven and seeing Jesus Christ in all his glory. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you reveal yourself to us in the pages of your word. We can see your glory. We can see how holy you are. And then we recognise how unclean we are, how sinful we are, and how we are cursed, we are ruined because of our sinful mouths, our sinful hearts. But Lord, we thank you that in the pages of the Bible there is not simply wrath and condemnation proclaimed upon us as we look at the Holy God, but there is mercy and grace. By your initiation you send a sacrifice that cleanses us, a sacrifice that is cursed on our behalf, a sacrifice that is ruined so that we do not need to be ruined. Lord, we thank you that sacrifice has come in the Lord Jesus Christ and we thank you that we can accept his sacrifice by faith, that if we believe Jesus Christ died for us, we are safe and secure and have clean lips. Lord, we thank you that so many of us in this room have accepted Jesus' sacrifice and we pray that you may continue to cleanse our lips, continue to use us to speak words of righteousness and not words of unrighteousness. May we be holy with our mouths and particularly in telling those around us that there is a Saviour and he is Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.